I want you to take your Bible this morning, if you would, and turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and I want us to notice this morning, verses 13, down through verse 17. Matthew 16, 13 through verse 17. And I want us to, to, to notice this morning uh, on the subject, what is our confession about Jesus? What do we believe about Jesus? What are we willing to confess to others about Jesus? And so I want you to notice with me Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 down through verse 17. And if you would, out of reverence and respect for God's word, let's stand together, please, as we read God's scripture. The Bible says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Let's once again look to our Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we bow before your throne of grace today, I thank you that you make yourself known unto those of us that are lost. And I thank you, Father, that you've drawn many to a saving relationship with Christ. And Father, we just need you today to reveal Jesus to each and every person that's here this morning. And for that person that's lost, I pray that you would reveal Jesus as the Savior of the world. Father, anoint this service with your drawing power. Anoint it with your saving power. Anoint it with your reviving power. And Lord, I just pray that what is said today could be energized by your Spirit in such a way that we would leave here rejoicing just by seeing who Jesus is. Now, Father, just forgive as only you can forgive. And Lord, work through our inadequacies and work through our weaknesses today. And we'll thank you for what you do, for it's in Jesus' name. Does it really matter what we believe about Jesus? Now, I believe if the Bible is true, and I believe the Bible is true, then the answer to that question is yes. It really does matter what we believe about Jesus. Now, it, it, it matters what we believe about Jesus because what we believe about Jesus is going to determine where we spend eternity. You remember what Jesus said to his disciples shortly before he went to the cross? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he said, no one comes unto the Father but through me. He was telling those disciples, the way of salvation is through me and me only. And, and, and what we believe about Jesus is vitally important when it comes to salvation. That's why the Apostle Paul says that there's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. The only way of salvation is through Jesus Christ. That's why John would later on write, in him is life. The only 
eternal life that, that a person is ever going to experience is going to come through Christ. And that's why the Bible says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But the Bible also says this, that he that believeth not in him is condemned already. You see, it does matter what you believe about Jesus because what we believe about Jesus is going to determine where we spend eternity. Salvation, see, is not believing in a creed. Salvation is believing in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Salvation is not in just believing a bunch of Bible facts and knowing the Ten Commandments and knowing the, the Beatitudes. Salvation is knowing Christ. It's knowing a person and that person being Jesus. But you know, because it matters what we believe about Jesus, we need to find out about Jesus. When Jesus stood before Pilate, do you remember what he told Pilate? Jesus asked Pilate and said, are you saying these things of yourself or, or did others tell it to you about me? See, there are a lot of opinions about Jesus and we now don't need to just trust an opinion. We need to find out for sure for ourselves about Jesus and what we believe about him. Folks have opinions about Jesus and that can be seen in the question in verse 13 that Jesus asked. Jesus said, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? See, in Jesus' day, there, there were just a variety of opinions about Jesus. Now, some of these opinions could be considered positive. As you look at, at the disciples and what they answered back to Jesus, they said, Jesus, there are a lot of people that believe that, that you're John the Baptist, resurrected from the dead. You know, even Herod believed that. Herod believed that John the Baptist had been resurrected from the dead and, and Herod was kind of fearful about that because he was the one that had John put to death. And you remember why he had John put to death? It was because of the fearlessness of John's preaching. John said, you shall not have your brother's wife to be your own. And, and that made Herod mad. But John was absolutely fearless as he proclaimed the word. And that's one of the reasons why people began to say that Jesus was John the Baptist because Jesus was also absolutely fearless as he preached the word. The Bible says that Jesus preached not as the scribes, but Jesus preached as one having authority. And he did have the authority because he was God. But there were some that said, well, Jesus is John the Baptist. There are others that said, well, no, no, Jesus, there are people that are saying that you're Elijah. And the Old Testament did forecast that, that Elijah would come before the great day of the Lord. And, and the reason why they were saying that Jesus was Elijah was because of all the miracles he did. Remember, there were miracles that were performed in Elijah's day. And they said, this must be Elijah reincarnated. After all, God took him to heaven in a chariot and he never died. And, and he must be back again. He must be back because look at all the miraculous things that are being done. And then there were some that said, no, Jesus reminds us of Jeremiah. Remember Jeremiah? He was a very compassionate, kind, caring man who, who wept over the, the, the spiritual condition of Israel. And, and there were some that said, it's got to be Jeremiah that's come back. But none of these things were true. Jesus wasn't John. Jesus wasn't Elijah. Jesus wasn't Jeremiah. Jesus was Jesus. 
And although the disciples didn't say it here, there were some that, that had some negative things to say about Jesus. Because Jesus dared to eat and drink with sinners, some of them said, well, he's a glutton and a wine-bibber. There were some that also said that, well, Jesus is a, he, he's a lawbreaker. He's a blasphemer. He heals on the Sabbath day. You know, you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath day, so he must not be of God. And then there were some said, that, well, the reason that Jesus can heal like that is because, uh, you know, he's Beelzebub. I mean, what he's doing, he's doing it through the power of the devil. So there were a lot of opinions about Jesus in that day and time. And even today, opinions about Jesus have varied. Almost everyone would acknowledge that Jesus lived. Almost everyone would acknowledge that Jesus is an historical figure. And some would say, well, Jesus is a great teacher. And he was a good moral man who, who died for teaching doctrine that was ahead of his time. There are some that would say, well, you know, Jesus wasn't a great teacher. He was a deluded prophet. <laughs> and because of his delusions of grandeur, the Jews had to take him out and crucify him. And you know, we Christians, what do we believe? Well, I unapologetically would tell you, I believe that Jesus was God who, who entered out of eternity and became a man. And... and this God-man then became our sacrifice for sin and went to the cross and died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. And praise God, he rose again the third day following that crucifixion. And our Jesus is not just an historical figure, but Jesus is even now at the right hand of the Father, just waiting for the Father to say, come on and, and bring my family home. And when Jesus hears that from the Father, he is coming again to set up a kingdom to rule and reign forever and ever. Now that's what we believe as Christians. But you know what Jesus asks? Jesus asks as you hear all of the opinions about, about him, he asked his disciples and said, but what do you say? What do you say? You see, Jesus demands that you make your own decision. What do you believe about Jesus? What is your personal belief about Christ? That's the most important thing. And with that decision, he, he demands an open confession. Peter made that confession, didn't he? He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you know what Jesus demands today? Is that when people come to realize who he is, Jesus says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus commands and demands an open confession amongst his people. Now, how can we make the confession that Peter made? First of all, I want you to notice his confession. Uh, Jesus said, well, that's what all the people are saying about me, but what do you say? And Jesus and Peter said, well, well Lord, thou art the Christ. That's the first thing he said, thou art the Christ. Now, the word Christ means anointed one. It's not a name, it's a title. Sometimes we think that Jesus' name was Jesus Christ. No, it is Jesus the Christ. It's the title that Jesus has. In the Near Eastern cultures, what a person uh, would participate in a ceremony in which a small amount of oil was poured over the head of the person 
as kind of a symbol of recognition and a symbol of significance. This was the way that Israel anointed her kings. Do you remember when Samuel anointed Saul? He called him in and, and pulled out a little bottle of, of oil and poured it over his head and he was anointed king. The same thing was true for David. And you know what Peter was actually saying here? He was saying, Jesus, you are the Messiah. Jesus, you are the anointed one. Jesus, you're the one that has come to fulfill all of God's promises to Israel. Jesus, you're the king. That's what he was saying here. And keep in mind that the Old Testament Messiah was to save the people from their sins. And that's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. He, he was going to gain the crown, but he had to go to the cross to gain the crown. And Peter was saying, Jesus, I believe that you're the king. You're going to save us from our sins and you're going to be the one to rule over Israel. But now notice what else he said. Thou art the Christ. And then he said, the son of the living God. You know, in the Hebrew vernacular, to be a son was to share all of the father's qualities in common and to inherit his, his privileges and to inherit his power. Have you ever noticed something about our sons and daughters too, really? They take on the traits of mom and dad. Have you ever noticed that? Whenever my children are good, they're Becky's kids. But whenever my children are bad, they're mine. And, and I've always, I, I've had people tell me this for years. Hey, Brother Mike, you marked that boy of yours. He looks just like you. And you know why I sometimes get mad at Jeremy? He acts just like me. They take on our traits. And, and, and they take on privileges about us. One day, he will, he will carry on the Hansel name. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Just as your children carry on your traits and, and your characteristics. And, and when Peter said, you are the son of the living God, he was saying only someone that had God's divine qualities and powers could call himself the Son of God. And for Peter to call Jesus the Son of God meant that Jesus was God. And he was worthy of worship. What Peter was saying here is Jesus is God himself who's come to this earth to be our king, to save us from our sins, and to be Lord of our lives. That's what he was saying here. Now, you might say, well, Brother Mike, how in the world did Peter come to that conclusion? Well, I believe Peter came to that conclusion because of the witness of the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament basically shares everything about Jesus with us. It shares with us where he was born. Where was Jesus to be born? In Bethlehem of Judea. It shared with us that Jesus would make a flight and, and have to run from Herod. It shared with us that Jesus would be sinless. It shared about Jesus' miracles. It shared that Jesus would go to the cross. They shall see him in whom they have pierced. As a matter of fact, uh, Psalm uh, 22 gives us a vivid description of Jesus upon the cross. It also shared about Jesus' resurrection. It shared about Jesus' coming kingdom. And as Peter began to look at all of the Old Testament prophecies, and as he began to look at Jesus, and as Jesus began to live his life, Peter could see that all of that was being fulfilled in Jesus. 
And do you remember even what Jesus told his enemies? Search the scriptures, fellas. They are they which testify of me. And keep in mind, all of those prophecies were made hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. And the chances of those prophecies being made and then Jesus showing up to fulfill them are astronomical. Only God could come up with something like this. And Peter saw it and he knew that God was in the flesh working through Jesus. But you know, Peter also had the testimony of the works of Jesus. The Bible says Jesus did things that no man ever has ever done. Now, if you really want to see some things that Jesus did that were extraordinary that no man's ever done, try this one on. I know we have faith healers today, right? Hmm? And I know we have those that profess to do miracles, correct? Jesus raised three people from the dead. I've never seen that in my lifetime of you. Hmm? On one occasion, they were carrying a little boy out to the cemetery, and Jesus stopped the funeral procession and raised him from the dead. Can you imagine what would happen if that took place today? Hmm? On another occasion, Jesus raised Jairus' daughter who had been dead, and then Jesus raised a man who had been in the grave for four days. Can you imagine going to the Leveland Cemetery after somebody had been in the grave four days and say, hey, come forth, and they come busting out of that grave? No man's ever done that, have they? And yet Jesus did that. Look at all of the other miracles that Jesus did. Jesus was able to still the thunderstorms. Jesus was able to feed 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus was able to heal those that had diseases that were incurable. Jesus was the great miracle-working, problem-solving God. And these miracles, in fact, reveal that Jesus was God in the flesh. Even one of Jesus' skeptics, Nicodemus, who later came to know Christ, said this about him. He said, no man, we, we know one thing about you. No man can do these works unless God be with him. And you know, the enemies of Christ, all they would have ever had to done to shut down the work of Jesus is prove that these miracles were not true. But yet Jesus' enemies even said, he's doing these mighty miracles and we can't disprove him. Peter looked at that. And those works convinced Peter that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And even though we don't have Jesus today walking in our midst in a physical form, folks, listen, Jesus is still doing works in the midst of his people. I know that the church has hypocrites within it. I know that we have people that are not real in sometimes professing Christ, but dear friends, to see how Jesus has changed lives over and over and over again, reveal that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And many of you could stand up today and make that profession that Jesus has changed my life. He has put me on a road that I, I, that I would have never thought would have taken place. His works reveal him to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Peter also had the witness of other believers. Why was it that Peter came to Jesus to start with? His brother Andrew. His brother Andrew had heard Jesus. His brother Andrew had had his life changed. So he ran to Peter and said, Peter, come see Jesus. Come see. Now, folks, I'm persuaded Peter was a hard-headed fellow. 
he made a really good Baptist. Didn't he? he would have never come to see had he not seen something in Andrew's life that convinced him that Andrew thought Jesus was real. You know, only God can change lives, and he saw that in Andrew's life. And then Peter also had the work of the Spirit. Now notice what Jesus said to, to, to Peter in verse 17. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Peter, or Simon Bar-Jonas, son of Jonas, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Peter had the witness also of the Spirit. Now listen, God's Spirit can supernaturally touch the heart and lead a person to Christ. And folks, when God has spoken to your heart, you know He is real. Many of you have come to know Jesus Christ simply because the Holy Spirit touched your heart and he made you to realize that God is real and that his son Jesus Christ could save you. How many of you have ever been in a church service? Well, if you've been saved, you have been. And you've been in that service and the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart. And many of the testimonies of those that have been saved have been simply this. I felt like I was the only one in that room. God was making me realize I needed Jesus as my Savior. And many of those under conviction came to know Christ as Savior because the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us to Jesus where we can confess Him as Lord. See, there is something supernatural about Christianity. Christianity is a heartfelt religion, if you want to call it that, as God's Spirit speaks to our hearts. And I believe that as Peter made this great confession, the rest of the disciples were in agreement. I, I can see, P Peter's kind of the spokesman for the group. Have you ever had a spokesman? Every group's probably had somebody that, that, that kind of speaks out for them. And Peter said, well, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I can see the rest of those disciples. That's right. Uh-huh, yeah. Have you ever been in a black church before? That's right. Uh-huh, preach on, say it, uh-huh. I believe that's kind of way the way they were. As Peter made the, 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 the pronouncement for them, and they agreed with it. They were a church in agreement about Jesus. And you know, to be a part of the church is to know Jesus and to confess him as Lord. What is it that brings us together? It's our belief about Jesus. It's our confession about Christ. That's what brings us together. And folks, listen, to become a member of a church without a true knowledge of Jesus Christ is hypocritical. You want to know who the real hypocrites in a church are? The real hypocrites in a church are those folks that come and put their membership in a church, but yet they do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. Judas was a true hypocrite. Those are the true hypocrites. Because listen, to, to become a member of the church, first of all, you've got to be baptized. And what does baptism say? Baptism is saying, I believe Jesus went to the cross and died and was buried and rose again so that I could have eternal life. Folks, it's hypocritical to get baptized if you don't know Jesus as Savior. What does baptism testify? It testifies of the fact that what he did for me, he took me and my sin and buried my sin and raised me up to be a totally different person. That's hypocritical if you don't know Jesus as Savior.
You see, folks, listen. It's not what church a person belongs to that determines salvation. It's what you know about Jesus. Matter of fact, it's knowing Jesus. I'm persuaded the great question throughout all eternity is going to be this. What church are you a member of? Nah, that's not the great question. Hit the slide here. The great question is going to be, what do you say about Jesus? What do you say about Jesus? Because he is the one that died on the cross for our sins. Listen, church folks didn't die on the cross for anybody's sins. Jesus did. It was Jesus who was resurrected for our justification. None of our church folks were resurrected for our justification. It is Jesus who is coming back again for us. Folks, don't let others convince you of something that the Bible doesn't say. Salvation is found in a person. And that person is Jesus. And let me encourage you to let the Holy Spirit lead you to open your eyes to see who Jesus is. And come before him and bow before him, confessing sin and inviting Jesus into your heart. Because the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the what? Lord shall be saved. Now, I believe church membership's important. Don't get me wrong. Once you do know Christ as Savior, you do need to be baptized to share with everybody that great confession that, that Jesus is the Christ who, who died on the cross for my sin. And once you do know Christ as Savior, you do need to be a part of a local church fellowship that will encourage you and bless you and that, that you can work together in. But folks, listen. The great need is knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus. Do you know Jesus as your Lord? and Savior.